0: Over the course of the evening, we've heard how Jesus spent his last hours with his disciples. Leading up to this evening, Jesus had spoken more and more about how the hour was at hand, that the end was drawing near. He recognized that his death was just a few hours or days away. And what did Jesus do? He threw a party. I find it very interesting that our most somber service of the entire year is mostly about a dinner holiday celebration. Jesus is my kind of people. I love a good dinner party. And I want you to imagine with me what was happening on this day. All of the able bodied Jewish men in the entire world had gone to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the Passover now this was not just any ordinary holiday; this was the most important holiday in the Jewish year. It dated all the way back to the time of Moses. In fact, this holiday is still one of the most important holidays in the Jewish year. Tomorrow, Jews around the world will begin the Passover celebration during the time of Jesus, the Passover celebration. It was like a religious holiday and a national holiday all mixed together be like easter and the fourth of july all at once on passover and in the feast of unleavened bread they celebrated how god had saved his people from the hands of pharaoh they celebrated how god had led his people through the wilderness and delivered them to the promised land they celebrated how God had remained faithful to his covenant promises to his people from generation to generation. And they looked forward to the day when a coming Messiah would once again save God's people. The Passover was a time of remembrance of what God had done, but it was also an anticipation of the work that the Lord was going to do. And Jesus and his company, like the rest of the Jewish men, they had come to Jerusalem. They had arrived about a week before, and I want you to remember that they had walked into Jerusalem with cries of Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I imagine that they were still riding that wave a little bit. You're, you know that Peter just he couldn't t- stop talking about it. He wouldn't shut up about it. He was so excited about everything that was going on. And I imagine that Andrew... He was a little bit more hesitant. He was kind of worried about what had happened in the temple earlier that week. He wanted to know why they weren't talking about the fact that Jewish had, that Jesus had thrown all these tables in the temple. And then you have Simon the Zealot. He might have been a little bit nervous or maybe a little bit excited about all the Romans that were around them. Because remember, the Zealots believed that the Messiah would come and incite a revolution that would overthrow the Roman oppressors. What better time for that to happen than when the population of Jerusalem was twice the size and there were many more Romans among them? It was in this exciting, emotional high that Jesus sat down to have this Passover meal with his disciples. And the Passover meal, it wasn't any ordinary meal either It was a meal that was full of all kinds of symbolism and tradition. We all have those meals in our families, right? This Easter Sunday, my family will sit down to Easter dinner. We'll have leg of lamb, like we always do. I think that this year, we have so many people coming that we'll have like four legs of lamb, which equals a whole lamb at that point. My husband, Joey, will make enchilada suezas. He makes them every year. I love that my husband, always cooks for 40 to 50 people because that means we'll always have leftovers. I love that about him. Nana Nancy will make her bunny cake for my kids to enjoy, and there'll be doubled eggs. We will celebrate Easter well with all of these traditions that we have as a family. But they pale in comparison to the celebration of the Passover meal. For the Passover meal, they would eat a lamb that had been sacrificed at the temple the day before, that lamb was a remembrance of how God had saved his people. And they would have all of the Passover fixins on the side. They would have bitter herbs that were mixed with dates and pistachios. They would have unleavened bread. They would have a bean stew. Sounds delicious, doesn't it? This Passover meal would be enjoyed by all of the people at the party. And along with it, they'd also have wine they would sing songs they would sing psalms specifically psalms 113 through 118 these songs that talked about how god had delivered his people it would be a really good party it sounds pretty fun doesn't it and i feel like when we hear about the amount of food that they ate and the amount of wine that they drank the songs that they sang i can kind of understand why the disciples fell asleep in the garden with jesus while he prayed i've always given them a hard time about that but i think that in reality they actually had what we in the hawkins family call the itis you know the itis is what happens when you have a really big meal and you sit down on the couch and you don't even know what happens but a couple minutes later you're like and you wake up that's the itis and I actually am realizing just now that almost every single saying in the Hawkins household has something to do with food or a dinner party. One of our sayings is there's always room for one more at our table. And believe me, we try to pack people into our home like sardines for the holidays. Or when we're cooking and prepping for a meal and we look over and we see our girls leaning on the counter. We say, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. (laughs) I want all of you to put that in your back pocket. That will be useful this coming weekend. But my personal favorite saying in the Hawkins family is you don't have to earn a seat at our table. Your place is already set. We love a good dinner party. And we love having people from outside of our circle come into our home. We don't care their background, where they came from, what their story is. We can't wait to get to know their stories. And this has led to some very colorful dinners with a lot of fun new friends. The Last Supper, it was full of a colorful cast of characters. And this group had definitely not earned the seat at the table that night. In fact, throughout the Gospels, we see quite the opposite. Even in our text tonight, we see that they do more to disqualify themselves from having a place at the table with our Lord Jesus. Right after dinner, Jesus takes a loaf of bread and he gives thanks and he breaks it in half. And he says, this is my body given for you that a little strange. I don't know if you've ever been to a dinner party where somebody's broken bread and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. I wonder if the disciples thought it was strange or if to them they were by this time used to Jesus saying strange things. I also find it interesting how close this supper was to the cross. I think that Jesus wanted to make absolute sure that his disciples knew that when he said, this is my body broken for you, this is my blood poured out for you, I think that he wanted to make absolute sure that the next day when they saw him on the cross, they'd say, oh, that's what he was talking about. That's what he meant. But that night, as he said, this is my body broken for you, do you know what they did? Their response that night, they got into a fight. They got into a fight at dinner time here jesus is sharing about his death sharing about the new covenant and his disciples get into an argument about who is going to be the greatest among them who will sit at the right hand of jesus and jesus has to remind them he says the kings of the gentiles exercise lordship over them but not so with you whoever is the greatest among you becomes the youngest the leader is the one who serves the disciples prove over and over and over again that they do not deserve a seat at the table and then there's peter oh peter bless his heart peter at the beginning of this chapter jesus gives him a job he sends peter and john to go and prepare for the party I think that Peter was the type of disciple that always needed to have something to do. Jesus was like, let's just keep Peter busy. Let's give him something to work on. And so Jesus sends Peter and John on this errand. And once again, in this moment, Jesus proves his divine nature. He proves that he is the son of God. It's like a prophetic party plan. They go into the town. They find the man that Jesus said would be there. He takes them to the place. Uh, They follow him to the room. They ask the master, can we have our party here? And not only do they get a room, they get a furnished room. They don't even have to worry about the tablecloths. This is unbelievable. And I'm sure they must have been in awe at what Jesus had done just so that they could have dinner together. Peter, he knew who Jesus was. And at this dinner, the disciples are there bickering and fighting about who is the greatest. Jesus turns to Peter, and he predicts that Peter, this rock on which he built his church, Peter, who arguably was the greatest disciple, or at least he was the loudest disciple, he says that Peter that very night will deny him three times. And this is another prophecy that is fulfilled. This is another disciple who shows that he didn't deserve a seat at the table. And we don't talk about Judas, but we're going to talk about Judas tonight. By this point, Judas had already spoken to the chief priest. He'd already made his plan to betray Jesus. Something We don't know what, but something in that journey to Jerusalem was the straw that broke the camel's back for Judas. Maybe it was because he was the treasurer and he didn't like the way that Jesus and the disciples spent money. Maybe it's because he thought that there would be more fame and notoriety being a disciple of Jesus. Of course, Judas does end up with some notoriety, but I don't think it was the type that he had planned Maybe Jesus felt betrayed himself. He felt that Jesus wasn't the Messiah that he thought he would be. Maybe he thought that Jesus wasn't the one that he had hoped for. But either way, something snapped, and he betrayed Jesus to the chief priests. I find it baffling and fascinating that that Judas had spent three years with Jesus. He had spent three years witnessing miracles. He had spent three years seeing the dead brought back from life, the blind given sight. He had spent three years listening to the teaching of Jesus, being sent out by Jesus on mission, and still he betrayed Jesus. Today I read a quote by a, a pastor named Rich Viodas, and he said that Judas reminds us that being around Jesus doesn't automatically mean that we are being formed by jesus those words should really strike us being around jesus doesn't automatically mean we are being formed by jesus judas although he was a follower of jesus he wasn't formed by jesus and jesus knew that about him we know throughout the gospels that jesus had concerns about judas and jesus knew that judas was going to betray him he knew that judas had already gone to the chief priest he spoke about it at dinner he said behold the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table and yet there was still a place at the table for judas jesus still invited him in you don't have to earn a seat at the lord's table your place is already set it was to this group this unqualified group of disciples that jesus said i've earnestly desired to eat this passover with you before i suffer it was to a group of unworthy man, men that he said this is my body which is broken for you it was to the people who are known more for missteps than stepping up, that he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. This group of rowdy and unreliable, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Brothers and sisters, no matter what you are bringing to the table tonight, there is a place at the Lord's table for you. You don't have to earn your seat. In fact, there's nothing you can do to earn your seat. Believe me, some of us have tried. In fact, Pastor Mark told us a story earlier today that he met with a man today, this very day, who had tried his entire life to earn his seat at the table. And it wasn't until today that he heard the truth that Jesus moved toward him with grace. It wasn't until today that he truly accepted Jesus to be the savior of his life you don't have to earn a seat at the table your place is already set and all those things that you think disqualify you be it your doubt maybe it's your pride maybe it's your betrayal or a sense of being betrayed your sin you'll find that you are in good company because that is what the disciples brought to the table with them and here's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't say leave those things. He says bring them to the table. You can bring the things that disqualify you to the table and you can give them to Jesus because that is the whole point of this meal. When Jesus said, This is my body which is broken for you, this cup is the new covenant poured out. For you, do this in remembrance of me. He was pointing to what would occur the next day on the cross. He was pointing to the truth that our Savior, he took on all of our sin. He took on all those things that would disqualify us. He took on all those ways that we've tried to earn our seat at the table. He took on those things He bore them for us. His body was broken for us. At the end of our text today, it said, He was numbered with the transgressors. You can bring your sin to the table because Jesus took on your sin. He was numbered with the transgressors so that we might have this communion meal tonight, this relationship with God this union with christ and so brothers and sisters as we prepare our hearts to come to the lord's table i want you all to think about what you are bringing to the table with you tonight you can't earn your place your seat is already set instead you bring those things that disqualify you and you confess them You put on the righteousness of Christ because he took on your transgressions for you. Christ himself is our sacrifice because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and he became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. I want us to take a moment to prepare our hearts to come to the table. This is the first time in a long time that we've had typical communion. And so I want us to take a little bit longer time to pause and rest in this moment, meditate on the work that the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, has done for us. And so I want you, um, if you would, if you would close your eyes. First, I want you to think about a moment in your life Or something that you feel earns your seat at the Lord's table maybe it's your faithful church attendance or maybe it's your faithful giving maybe it's the family that you come from or maybe it's the people that you've led to Jesus how many minutes you spend reading the Bible what is the thing that you think earns your seat at the table none of those things are bad things but if you make them the thing that you think earns your righteousness they become a false idol so take a moment to think about what that thing is for you and now i want you to think about the thing that you feel keeps you from the table what is the thing that you feel like disqualifies you maybe you're like peter and it's your pride or the disciples and it's envy maybe you're like judas and jesus isn't who you thought he would be what is the thing that you feel like disqualifies you from the table or maybe you felt like you've never been invited to this table before maybe you never knew that it was open to you maybe you haven't brought those things ever to the table of the lord Let's bring all these things before our God in prayer. Father God, what a gift is Jesus who has redeemed us. We thank you that although we can't earn our place, although we have a long list of things that disqualify us from this table, that is because the wor- work of Jesus that we approach with boldness because jesus took on our sin that we are able to have your righteousness father i pray for my brothers and sisters that may feel the weight of a disqualifying event that may feel the weight of trying too hard to be good enough to come to the table father would you free them from that would you remove it from them as far as the east is from the west That's how far you've removed our transgressions from us. As we come to your table now, Lord, we pray that you would bless this time of the gathered body of Christ coming together in communion. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the one who takes away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us tonight. Amen.